The following transmission contains unencrypted instances of explicit language. Mature audiences are cleared to proceed. Shall we begin? In the mid-60s, the two most popular characters in movies were James Bond and Inspector Clouseau. Tasked by NBC to create a show capitalizing on the popularity of both, Buck Henry teamed up with Mel Brooks to create what is probably the first major spy comedy of all time, and certainly one of the most enduring. I'm Todd. And I'm Dave, and we like to talk about spy movies. In 2008, Warner Brothers decided to find out if the Get Smart formula had enough staying power to launch a cinematic reboot. How did Steve Carell and Anne Hathaway fare in their attempt to step into the slapstick shoes of Agents 86 and 99? Friends of the show Lon Lovett and Yammering Lou join us to discuss, and that's this episode of Spies Like Us. Todd, by the way, let me send out a big fuck you for waiting for two months to do this. I was ready to do this two months ago, and you're just so important. You've got to do everything first. I'll get to you in March, Lon. You gotta save. You gotta save that energy for the show, Lon. Save it for the show. (laughs) I'll get to you in March, he says. I don't know. This is the show. They're doing like a real professional podcast, not the slap, not the slapdash thing that I was trying to do. That I still try to do. Like they actually do a professional podcast. Like they actually do it every week. Unlike me. Did you hear that? That was the fourth beer opening, and there will be more. (laughs) I'm well. I'm getting high. I installed. I installed some, I, I don't know, we'll see how it, how it works, but I installed some soundproofing, and then I also, I also installed some soundproofing, like, underneath my desk, so I can try to, like, quietly open my beer down there. <laughs> um, y'all ready to talk some Get It Smart? We're going to talk about the television show first, uh, for a Jamba. bit, that's cool. All right. Who's, uh, a, who's a fan of the show? I like, I like the show. Better than the movie, although it's been a while. Over time, that show does not hold up very well. Uh, yeah, I have I have not watched it recently, so I'm I'm going on my memories from which may have been like 30 years ago when I actually saw it. When, yeah, which watch was it still again now, and you, then you you will find that your memories from 30 years ago are not correct. <laughs> you know, it's a little different for me because I didn't like the show when I was a kid, uh, and so my expectations were set pretty low. And when I watched a few episodes, I was like. Hey, this is this is better than I gave it credit for. I don't think it's great, and it, it's definitely kind of one note. It is one note, and it's really weird because they do that they do that thing where they try to ride the line. The whole show is basically just this real this tippy toe across this razor's edge of trying to be like serious on one hand and like get in like the serious bits, and then and then the comedy bits. It's like they, they kind of try to toe the line with that so that you're never quite sure what the show is. Is it supposed to be serious or is it supposed to be comedy? Like they well, they do that they do that really well, I think. But but I don't find that towing that line serves any purpose. It just seems to it doesn't it's it's a it's a scattered point of view in my opinion, but remember, I just remember the classic bits from the show of him like that that's what they didn't I'll just to quickly bring it to the movie they didn't get into in this movie they did the classic bit of him like always going oh hey 99 and then she flipping him over her head her shoulder because she's that trained to like the, the every i think every show has that one like did, did you you saw it again right todd the show recently did you wasn't there a, a scene where 99 flips him over her shoulder because she startles him i didn't see that scene but that is, is that, funny to me but that's like that's like a classic <laughs> or the cone of silence it's funnier that the, the, the one cone. they do in the show is funnier because it's actual cone it's like low tech and it doesn't go all the way down and they're like all right like it's it's better than the digital one in the movie the cone of yeah. silence <laughs> <laughs> and the missed it by like the, it, it does feel like it's an iconic show though I don't, I don't know if it's one of the most 100 popular shows but i think like if you're talking about the classic television you you wouldn't want to leave out get smart like as just to talk about no, it like you wouldn't want to but i'm still but i'll still stick to my i'll still stick to the fact that i think it doesn't hold up well the age it doesn't like but that's true but that's nothing against the that's not i mean I don't. It depends why it's not holding up, but I'm, but I'm saying like it, it should try to judge it based on how it was at the time. I think like was it a good show like at no, the time? No, 
but here's the thing, and, and I, I really admire the movie for doing this, and that is the fact that the movie is very, very self-aware of the fact that the show does not hold up well. The movie is really uber cognizant of that fact. Like all the jokes that they do and all the little all the little recognition for the audience that they do when they kind of tip their hat to the audience and let the audience know that we think this humor is stupid too. The movie does a really good job at making the audience know that they think the humor is stupid too. Okay. Which, I want to hold I want to hold off a bit on talking about the movie. I still want to talk about the TV show a little bit. Oh yeah, well. Um just uh, thrown out like the the where it lands in history, which I think is important. It ran from 1965 to 1970. Uh, it's contemporary but entirely fictional stories involving always the fictional control, the good guys versus chaos, the bad guys. And to me, where like one of the most interesting things about this TV series. Uh, it's right there in the Cambrian explosion of post-Bond stuff that started in 1962. Um, 1962. Here's the other TV series that came out around the same time. So 1962, that's where Dr. No shows up. And that's the first Bond film. Uh, 1962 also had the TV series The Saint. 1964. The Taint? The Saint. Oh, I thought you said The Taint. I'm like, wow, that's pretty brave show. The Taint? Oh, yeah, The Saint. I remember that. Was that was before its time. That, well, that was the one show that was before its time. 1964 is when we get The Man from Uncle, which I feel like is maybe one of the mo- more serious of the spy shows from that era. Um, I was surprised to find that 1965, the the Wild Wild West, the TV series that they made the movie with Will Smith uh, based well, that's on. That's a very bad movie. That's a terrible movie. I, I <laughs> heard to steer away from it. But apparently the Wild Wild West is actually a spy show set in the, like the main characters are actually. Yeah, it's a like, good show. It's a good show, actually. The TV show. Okay, cool, cool, cool. And 1965 also gets I Spy. That's a good show. Mm, cool. You're into the classic television, it sounds like? But who is in I Spy? I'm trying to think who is Bill in Cosby. Oh, sure. that's right. But I think I it was a good show. But I guess we, we're not supposed to say it's a good show, but I think it was until we found out that he was a terrible person. It was a good show. I don't care. Terrible person or not, that show sucked. But I mean, I just remember. I don't know. I just thought. I always remembered it as a good show. It's possible I actually never saw the show, but in my mind, I'm thinking it's a good show. Um, and just because Bill Cosby's a bad guy, I don't think I have to change thinking it's a good show. But maybe I do. Maybe that's for another topic, for another show, another. What about the? Trip. What about the Avengers? The Avengers. The, the movie. Yeah. No, the television show. There was a television uh, show called The Avengers. Yeah, I mean, but the yeah. movie is based on. Not the Marvel. Do you remember that movie that had Sean Connery and Uma Thurman? Or I think it was Sean Connery, but Uma Thurman was in it. That was the movie that was based on this show that Todd's talking about, not the Marvel superheroes one. I'm not saying we're going to discuss it this show, but just for a future show, what do you think would be it would be like if Thanos had run chaos? Just just t- just tickle your thing and we'll think about that another time. Yeah, <laughs> let it marinate for a little bit. <laughs> I want to see an Avengers versus the Avengers. That way. <laughs> I don't. Well, they did that. You got Avengers: Civil War. That you, you got that. They, they gave no, that to you. No, I want. I want the British spy Avengers to fight the Marvel. Oh, the Avengers versus the Avengers. Yeah, that that one. And I don't think it was Sean Connery. I think it was Ralph Fiennes. They, oh, Ray Fiennes. Ray Fiennes yeah. that showed up in yeah. in the movie. The Avengers is a weird one because it technically started out in 1961, which is before Bond. But at that time, it wasn't a spy show. It was more like a detective show. But with everyone jumping on the post-Bond spy bandwagon, by the time we get to 1965, the Avengers had like morphed itself into being a spy show. Because, you know, that's audiences were just going crazy for this. And again, that brings us to 1965 Get Smart, which is the first that I know of uh spy parody that's out there although i think lon when we were talking about this before you said that uh our mutual friend jeff had had 
shared something prior to that in the spy comedy. Oh, dude, Jeff turned me on to, um, um, let's see. It was, there's one called Casino Royale. There's one called In Like Flint. I guess it, there's like, there, there's, there's, Jeff said they were god awful. God awful. <laughs> yeah, I actually kind of like In Like Flint. It's 1967, and we did cover that on this show. Did you, did you, did you like it? I kind, I kind of like it. Yeah, I'm, I'm into, I'm into Derek Flint. Old Bond is like this smarmy asshole, and Flint is more like this smarmy asshole that knows he's a smarmy asshole. <laughs> Bond seems like very unself-aware to me. <laughs> Speaking of Bond, Sean Connery was in the Avengers film. It was Ray Fiennes, Uma Thurman, and Sean Connery. Oh, sweet. Okay. We well, can what all was their right. deal? Did they have special powers, or are they just like crime? Fight? What, what, what were they? What were... They had devices. I think the main thing that. If you remember anything about the Avengers, if you remember one thing, it's that he had a bowler hat that he could throw and, like, I don't know, hit people with or something. You mean, like, one of those Bond villains? You mean, like, Odd Job? You mean, like, yeah, one of those? Yeah, 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 pretty much. He had that hat, and he had a sword hidden inside a, an umbrella. So it was kind of like the Avengers, I think, get, get credit for being the first to introduce the idea of spy gadgets kind of stuff. So, hey, Lon, I don't know. I still haven't heard you mention something that comes before 1965, before Get Smart. So I'm still sitting here maintaining that Get Smart is, I mean, maybe, I mean, maybe there is a spy um, comedy that comes before it, but I don't think anyone can argue what about, that. What, about, was it, what, what year was Our Man Flint? Our Man Flint is 1966. So just one what year about, too, one year what, too late. Just, just, just to think outside the box, what about Mr. Ed? Because he he went on mission. People, people didn't know that he couldn't talk. So isn't he like a spy? Because nobody knew he could talk except for Wilbur. So that's as good as a spy. And he he was smart. Or Lassie. Lassie yeah. was always finding the kid in the well. There weren't a lot of gadgets. Not everybody know. No. Yeah. There weren't, there weren't very many gadgets on Mr. Ed. So you're saying that Get Smart is the first spy parody ever on movie or TV? Uh, well, I can't. I can't you know, definitively scientifically prove that, but I would maintain it's, it sets like it's, it's, it's the dawn of the genre. It's the, it's the one that all spy parodies that come after have to look at and, and learn from. Do you know when the police squad is, you know, the Leslie Nielsen one that they turned in the naked gun. When did that show? I wonder when that show was, I guess it was after. Hang on. I'm going to, I got to call Jeff. Jeff knew all of them. Jeff had, Jeff had several of them. Hang on. Uh, police squad. Let's see. Well, 1982, but obviously there was. Oh, that's way later. That. Or no, yeah, that was 1982. That's way off. <laughs> there was uh, nothing in the 50s. There must there gotta be some like cheesy 50s show about a spy. I would think. No, no, because honestly, like honestly, Lewis audiences don't uh, expect a spy to be the hero of of a story. Until James Bond comes along, James Bond like really unlocks the the flood wave. Um, which, when we started researching the show, I was personally really just uh, surprised to discover. But when you look at the history, he is like he is the gate opener to the genre. Um, let's talk some Mel Brooks because this is a Mel Brooks show, and it's it's before he started doing his movies. Uh, I didn't Wait, know that. Wait, this before the producers? Yeah. That can't be possible. Yeah, the producers was 1967. Uh, yeah, so, but, I mean, you can see a lot of Mel Brooks in this show. I didn't know that he was, you know, associated with it. But, you know, once you tell me that, I'm like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Um, although, like, he kind of, uh, he kind of created the show, with Buck Henry, but it was Buck Henry that went on to write most of it. And oh. apparently Mel Brooks actually felt really bad when he first saw the opening titles and said that they they read created by Mel Brooks with Buck Henry because he felt like Buck Henry was more of um more of a contributor to the show. Like I think they both worked on the pilot and then Brooks like Brooks just really worked with Buck Henry on the pilot. 
he helped create the show, but it's Buck Henry who goes on to uh, be the script editor. Um, the show was the principal inspiration for Inspector Gadget. Uh, Don Adams was the voice oh. of Inspector Gadget. I didn't know that. Oh yeah, I didn't know that either, but that makes sense now. Yeah, that's that's a lot of pieces putting together. <laughs> Lewis, you mentioned that you said a running gag was uh, 99, like toppling 86. Yeah, he would always go up to her and, t- and like say, hey, 99, and she would get startled and just flip him over her shoulder because she was just like in a training mode. Okay. And they that's... didn't do that with the – that's something I didn't see in the – that's, yeah, yeah, that's dope. Well, I mean, obviously, we see in the in the movie, she's clearly the more competent martial artist. Absolutely. Uh, but apparently, now I didn't see enough of this of of enough of this in the series. But I was uh, I was surprised to note that because I saw enough of the series and I remember enough of the series that the the Donna Adam Maxwell Smart is like clumsy and incompetent, mostly. But yeah. he's kind of like a Mister Magoo. But he's funny. He's like kind of irreverent, or he's just kind of—I don't know if that's the right word—but he definitely has like a, a, a flash to him that, you know, that even though he's messes up all the time, it's still it, it's still right. Funny. But apparently, uh, from from Wiki or some source, like throughout the show, he was actually shown to be a skilled fighter when the action broke out, which kind of reminded me a little bit of Archer in the tv series like i think well that's in the film too uh because during all the shooting tests and stuff like that uh max is actually pretty competent as a shooter right other than some of the bungling moments that he has but you know he he has moments where he shines so that's kind of like a playback i guess it reminded me of archer in that like one of the funniest things to me about archer is that he's also well he's in a completely different way a buffoon but one of the most annoying things about him i think is that he's actually really good at his job <laughs> which makes <laughs> which it yeah. just makes him even more annoying not less he's uh, totally competent he's totally competent at his job yeah and and so that that's why he gets away with being such a douchebag <laughs> and right. like you can't fire him <laughs> Yeah. And I don't know. Yeah, just uh, that. And this, when I read this about uh, Maxwell Smart, I just felt like maybe that was uh, a little bit of inspiration in there. Yeah, uh, I think that's the one of the. If I, I'm like, it has been a while since I've seen the TV show, but I think the the difference that you're talking about is in the TV show, he's like competent, but this like crazy shits happening to him, or like just or somebody else is being incompetent. But in the movie. Like he's incompetent in the way, like in some ways, just himself. Mm-hmm. So I think that's a difference, isn't it? Like the, the yeah. Steve Carell just is just doing like like slapstick, like stoop, like that. They didn't do that in the show. He wouldn't just hit his head on a on a table going whoops. So like, <laughs> I mean, it, he right. would, but it would be because somebody dropped a table on him, like on act. Like it wouldn't be his fault though, right? I think it was more like yeah. That. Yeah, and I think I think we're we're getting really close to talking about the movie, and and I want to circle right back to what you're talking about, and and when we get to the movie, I want to talk specifically about like the the kind of humor of the movie. But before we get there, I think uh, we got a shout out um, that ninety nine uh, has a uh, uh, a gold medal in sitcom history for being the first working mother shown in on television oh really uh, i don't even remember her you mean the character was a mother exactly oh, gee. i don't even remember that i at that yeah i don't i don't yeah i don't remember that at all about the show about her character. There, there's a bit of trivia nobody gives a shit about <laughs> well that's my show <laughs> that's that's that, that's that's the that's your show ender right there. That's your that's your your fade out. Yeah. <laughs> that's the fade out right there. And we'll we'll end this unless you guys have other stuff to talk about the TV show. The last thing I wanted to talk about is just like you know the different spinoffs other than the one we're going to talk about that that came out. There were a couple movies. Uh, the Nude Bomb and Get Smart Again, which were both major bombs. Uh, and apparently there was a short-lived television show where Max 
is now the chief of control with Andy Dick playing as his son. That sounds awful. Yeah, it kind of does. It didn't last long. <laughs> um, the now in the in the end of the series, they had twins. They had a boy and a girl, and so you know Andy Dick being his son. Uh, we never like the show was canceled before we get to find out like what happened, like who his daughter was, but it was planned that she was going to have gone on to become the head of chaos. Oh, good old Andy Dick. <laughs> I like him, or at least I used to. I don't know. He's just kind of disappeared. Yeah, I think he's pretty funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. he makes me laugh. He, he has funny, some moments. It's funny because you're like, we're about ready to talk about the movie, and yet we haven't even talked about the show. We just spent a half hour basically dancing around most of the show, but we didn't really talk about the show itself. What do you get to say about the show, Lon? Well, I'm just saying, just like the way the humor balances out in the show, the way that they, the way the jokes play out, the way that the, it's, they try to hit a certain tone with the show that I think is a really hard line to walk on and a hard line to dance on. And they tried so hard for the whole show. The episodes I watched, you sent those episodes, I watched them. Well, let's dance, Lon. Let's do it. Yeah. No, but I'm just, I mean, I'm I just agree. saying. I agree. It's, ground, it's groundbreaking. I'm just, I'm just saying it is groundbreaking because, like, the Chief, Chief, like, the episode where the Chief got hit, like, they let it go just, it's funny because they let it go just long enough with no joke for you to almost buy the show. <laughs> it's weird for you, to, for you to almost buy it. You almost buy into the show as being a regular show. And then they have to jump in with a joke and fucking spoil the whole thing. But that's the thing. Is it spoiling the whole thing or is it making the whole thing? No, I, think we are, I think we are watching different shows, Lon, because I always thought the whole show was like a farce. I never got out of that mode of it being, yeah, like, being real. Lewis, Lewis, I think he's talking about what... Uh, you know, when I Googled uh, was like, and this is like by fan vote, like the best episode of Get Smart. Oh, he's talking about a particular is, episode. Is the season finale of season two. And I think that was the end of a three-parter where like uh, the chaos was specifically targeting the chief. And so when you look at the list of like the most popular episodes, it's episode uh, 28, 29, and 30. Yeah. Second season are like the top three because they kind of form this like longer storyline that like Lon is talking about gives them the the opportunity because okay like Lon's right like the whole series is like let's be serious let's be serious let's be serious oops let's, let's be not. serious let's be serious let's be serious oops <laughs> um but in that in that three parter I guess Lon is saying they had a longer time to like like kind of lull you into a false sense of oh are we getting serious here and then right. then that yeah. makes the oops even bigger at the end of that i think it's funnier i think it's funnier when they're because that because the regular one's funnier because you know that it's not serious but the longer it takes it's, it's kind of funnier seeing them like go through let's do the decoder and you know at the end it's like a cereal box and it's not going to work but it's still funny to see them all serious going x b and then it's and then it was just a box of cereal because they got the wrong thing because they're incompetent. And then I'm ready to have that conversation about the humor and how it translates from the TV show to the movie, unless unless Lon is really got no. more to talk about. Yeah, okay. Um, so uh, what I wanted to say was because there's like there's like a law, there's a comedic law at work in in the show and in the movie. You know what I'm talking about here? Like, there's a, there's almost like, um, there's almost like a, a comedic principle or law that's at work that dictates. You know, it's kind of like what? What do you call it? Like, um, what's that one about? Like, I don't know if any. Uh, there's one that's named after someone. Like, uh, if anything can go wrong, it will go wrong, or something. Oh, like Murphy's that. law. Murphy's law, right? I think there's something like Murphy's law in place in both the show and the movie that like everything you try will let you get away with it for a few seconds or, or maybe a minute, but then we're going to bust out the trombone. Wah, wah. 
<laughs> I remember so many moments where I stopped and went, oh, my God, that's perfect how they played that. Like, so many perfect spots in the movie where a joke was made, they made fun of the joke, but in making fun of the joke, it validated the joke and made it funny. But they made fun of it, like, to the audience. Like, they reacted in such a way that you knew that the audience, the audience was smarter than that. The audience was too smart to do the stupid That's old cool. fucking That's cool. you're, on, you're on a different level than me, Lon, because I'm not going through any of those thoughts when I'm watching the movie. <laughs> oh, <laughs> dude, no way. Not one of them. No way. I watched that movie at several points. I went, that writing is fucking brilliant because they pulled Get Smart from way back when. They pulled some of the corny humor, but they did it in such a way that audiences today could enjoy it. And 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 not and not be like, oh my god, that's such bad humor. It's corn prone humor. The Mel Brooks humor, a lot of it is very corny. It's very, very, very corny. It's yeah. stupid humor. It's not humor that people today. It's not sophisticated humor. But in making fun of it, a couple points in the movie, I, I wish somebody, one of you guys, would know what I'm talking about because there's a couple points in the movie where I went, oh, that's brilliant. They took a joke. They turned it on its head. They acknowledged to the audience that the joke wasn't funny, that it wasn't funny. But is they it really funny though, Lon? Or is it? It sounds funny. like it's funny because you're 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 constructing a thesis and like if it refers to this, this it equals X. But at the end, to me, it just wasn't funny. I don't know what's going on in my brain. Oh, but... Hey, so 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 wait, you didn't think the movie was funny? I and I was high the whole time. Well, okay, that's great and all, but I mean, at a personal level, just you personally, you didn't think the movie was funny. Well, I'm Dude. always on a personal level. That personal, that, yeah, because I was too high to be on a professional level. So personally, Dude. I did not find it funny. No, no, Dude, I did not. Chris Kringle and fish sticks. Come on, brother. <laughs> I mean, I, I can see, I can appreciate it now, but it still wouldn't like it wouldn't elicit laughter. I think you need to get uh, like it's... I liked the Chuck Norris with a BB gun. That was a good one. Like they kept go. I think it was Max was going. I think this is what you're talking about, Lon. Where. Max is going on a list of like, well, what about an army of this? Or what about an army of that? And it wasn't that funny. But then he goes, well, what about Chuck Norris with a BB gun? Like, like there was a lot of those little moments where like the joke wasn't really there. And then they said something or like came right. off of it sideways. Where it exactly. Like, exactly. It made you that's giggle. Yeah. No, that's a good example because they, they, use, they, they use the same humor. I can't explain it. They use the same humor as the original series. But when 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 the writers of the the new movie realized that the humor wouldn't play, they tied it up on the end and they made it something a little different is what I'm saying. They didn't leave right. it at the same Mel Brooks humor because it wouldn't play. It wouldn't fly. I agree with like, that. Right. I agree with that. Can I um, well, let's let's finish. Let's finish a, a roundtable of, uh, you know, who who thought the movie was funny and, and how much we got yeah. Ron and Lewis on record. Uh, Luke, David, you didn't David, think it was. Funny, huh? I mean, but I still at the end, I kind of I kind of liked the movie by the end because I, I kind of grew on the characters, but I still didn't. Not, that's not my kind of humor. That that kind of slapstick, like, uh, you know, whatever that I don't know what that but I'm not a fan of that kind of humor unless it's like pretty clever. I'm not a fan of like it just felt like they took what was good about the Get Smart the show, which was it was it was I everybody knew it was stupid. And they, then they were trying to make it like now we're going to say it's kind of clever. But then I think they're doing a bad job of making it clever. So to me, it's just like a poor what you're calling like a a nice like subtle tint at the show. I'm just calling poor humor. Oh, so God, I, I couldn't get, see it. I couldn't see it more different. I, I could get not Dave, see that more different. Right. So we got we got those two opinions on record. Let's let's get the other two on record uh, before we start going into specific jokes, which I think would be fun. But uh, David, uh, humor. Did you laugh? Uh, there was moments that I, I, I laughed out loud, uh, but there were a lot of words just it got like a heh, or like, a, uh, or, like or like an internal like heh, like like it, you know like when you're scrolling down like on social media and you're just looking at memes and they don't make you laugh out loud you kind of inside you like heh, but there were there were some cute moments so like I I enjoyed it it was it was funny like at a lot of moments and you know like. I think I see both what Lon and Lewis are saying where there's some moments where they tried to update the humor, like Lon's saying, and like added a little like pizzazz to it. And I mean, just having Alan Arkin and then the Bill Murray moment was cute. 
like it was really cute, very Bill Murray moment, and it was kind of cute, and I, I enjoyed it. And then just Alan Arkin is always the light to see on film. So like, just anytime I see him or hear him talk, yeah. no, I love it's Alan Arkin. Make me laugh. If, if yeah. the movie had more Alan Arkin, I would up my rating. Yeah, there's nothing yeah. he can't do for sure. <laughs> I would, I would go with, um, you know, I feel like it's it's a movie where like. Um, you're you're on a series of connecting flights or how am I trying to explain this? Like if you don't laugh at the first joke in the movie, like you're not on board. <laughs> right. right. Yeah. And, but if you do, then you're on board and then it's going to continually pay off. But I'm also with Dave in that, like there's stretches where it's there, you know, there's low payoff, but it is, it is constant. I mean, it's not uneven, really in in terms of like the the pace of the jokes coming in but right. might be a little uneven as far as like there being uh funnier parts of the movie no but than uni- others uniformly the movie was saying to me the movie was saying hey let's let's like let's let's all give a hats off to that to the show like we're doing an homage to the show it was a very pointed homage it was a very pointed homage like, if you're ever going to say that word, this movie absolutely was that, was an homage. I can't agree like, with you hard yeah, enough, like, Lon. Like, super this... pointed, super, super pointed and purposeful. It was like, it was like the writers went, let's just really just get warm and fuzzy about this fucking show and do a movie like that. Right. There are there there's such a thing as remakes where they just take the name and like a few concepts from the original material and then just make something entirely different. In this case, I really felt that the writers of this script, whether whether you like the movie or not, I think you have to agree that the writers of the movie are deeply in love with the television series. Right. I could not, Todd, I could not agree with you any more than that. That is absolutely correct. They were really in love with the original concept. Like it was not in name only, not a name only. Right, right, right. Right. Yeah. Dave and Lewis, any, any thoughts on that topic? Like I said, I didn't, I didn't really find it that funny, but, it, but by the end I was kind of like, it was an okay movie. Cause I kind of like grew, the characters grew on me. Right. So Lewis, I want to go to you first. If, if, uh, and I think a good way to take this discussion is let's, let's break down a few specific jokes. Uh, so I want to go to you first because you're, you're the lowest uh, laugh rating on the movie, but uh, could you tell us maybe like what you think might have been your favorite joke in the film? It may not be even something I, I laughed like hard, but just like an appreciate the the that that I can, like I would think about it in the future, and that was funny. Like I think the vice president thing, when he just like let me, you want a piece like because it's just so ridiculous that you're just gonna go <laughs> like you know rest like two old men. He jumps like, over a, the jumps over the desk. So that's thought, that's definitely that, one of the good ones. That was one I of my got favorites. a new pacemaker. I could go all day. That's one. <laughs> that's one of my favorite lines. Yeah. <laughs> I wish there was, was just no, I wish they eliminate, like, I felt bad for, some people I felt bad for, like, why is James Conn, like, doing this, gar- like, that just felt like garbage, like, I wish they could just write that, that had no point in the movie, they could just eliminate that, it didn't, it didn't add anything, it was just stupid, him going like, like, some kind of, like, George Bush imitation, but this, it wasn't, but it wasn't funny, though. Yeah, they were taking their stabs at George Bush, and I agree those weren't funny. They were, they were just, they, were, they, were, they landed pretty flat. Like, they could just cut all that out and you wouldn't, like, you wouldn't miss it, right? Like, all the James Conn scenes, like, it didn't, I don't think that added anything. I want to go, I want to go with my joke that I felt best encapsulated the spirit of the television show. Like, I, you know, like, even to the point where I could see it coming and I was like, oh, fuck Yeah. And that's where they they're, they're trying to they're trying to swing across the building, and then you know an explosion happens and they get dropped down several floors. And Max is like, "Oh, ah, we're gonna go for it again." We hold on, hold on, ninety nine. She's like, "Max, Max, we're like two inches above the ground." Yeah, that that is like yeah, that does feel like the show. It wasn't my favorite joke, but I felt like that was one was the most like yeah. We're definitely yeah. doing a TV series right now. Besides, besides the obvious Chris Kringle and Fish Sticks joke, like that to me, that is just the best. But, but, 
I loved it when they're sitting there talking and he's talking to her and he looks at her picture and he's riffing on her. He's like, God, you were hideous. <laughs> he, he, he makes a couple cracks at her and she was so beautiful. He makes a couple cracks where he just fucking knocks her down a notch. <laughs> and I will say Anne Hathaway is the perfect person to do the joke where, you know, where she's like, are you staring at my ass when they're like, she just, cause she has that kind of personality like where she's like, you know, kind of like knows that like it, but it's but it's good. Like it, that's like the perfect, like like Anne. Nobody could do that scene, I think, better than Anne Hathaway. Yeah, right. <laughs> you talking about the laser scene, right? Yeah, because but she has that kind of personality. That's like, yeah, you're looking at my get over your like. It, but it's it's funny. It's like it's good. <laughs> yeah, that was that, that that played really well. Um, yeah. I oh, I liked the joke on the plane when she spots the assassin. And and he doesn't believe her. He's like, "There's no way they'd be sending an assassin at us that obvious." And he turns around. And he's like, "Holy shit!" Because that guy is so. I mean, that guy is. It's not. That guy is so huge that that, that is the only yeah. kind of character he plays. It doesn't have to be a bad guy, but he's some kind of brute or like big dude in every movie. Yeah. That character reminded me of Jaws in the movie in the James Bond. Yeah, that's what I thought too. Yeah, he's. And he was in the yeah. the remake of of the the Burt Reynolds where he goes to jail the lat longest yard. He plays like this this huge like you know angry prisoner that they, they they get me, to play on the team. The, the way that guy played that character, that big guy, it he yeah. he purposely played it like Jaws, like the same yeah. the same mannerisms and same the way he kind of smiles and the way he kind of does does things. Mm-hmm. It reminded me. It reminded me so much so that I went and looked up the name of the guy who played Jaws, thinking it was a relative of his or something. Like they were doing yeah. something that was sly, you know, by putting that yeah, in there. Yeah. But that was definitely that was definitely a, a moment that was that was supposed to be a, a Bond reference. You know, oh, absolutely. I got yeah. I got to jump in here. He actually reminded me of another character, and I I really want to hear your guys' thoughts on this. Uh, uh, are we all Rick and Morty fans? Oh fuck yeah. yeah! I mean, I haven't seen tons of it. I know, I know, I've seen it. Okay. Lewis, any self-respecting stoner should fucking watch every episode <laughs> of that show twice. Okay, I'll, I'll get on. I'll get on that. So that sounds yeah. like I'm something I'm not doing right. I remember I looked this up. I don't know if I wrote it in my notes, but oh right, do you guys remember the 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 character in the Pickle Rick episode? I'm Pickle Rick, bitch. Right. Yeah. But not Pickle Rick himself, but the enem- the enemy agent. Oh yeah, yeah, uh huh. That guy felt to me like when I was watching the Pickle Rick episode, I felt like this guy is obviously supposed to be a reference to some character, right? Ever huh. heard? Of. And then huh. when I saw this movie, I was like, dude, were they riffing on Get Smart? <laughs> because <laughs> he's very similar. Like he he's got a um, you know he's he's this big hulking guy with the long dark hair and the huge jaw, uh, you know he jumps out of a plane in the pickle Rick episode, you know at the end he like jumps out of a helicopter, uh, and in this movie like you know he had a wife that he needed to connect with, and then the pickle Rick episode the guy had a daughter he needed to connect with, and I don't know I I can't think of a better. You know, because that character in the Pickle Rick episode, it felt so specific, but I didn't know who they were referencing. And when I saw this movie, I was like, maybe this was it. Maybe. Todd, that's so funny. When I watched the Pickle Rick episode, I thought the exact same thing. Like, it was so specific. You're like, what is this supposed to be parodying? Like, you know they're parodying something. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Oh. Lewis, I'm ashamed of you for not having watched all of the fucking Rick and Morty episodes. <laughs> yeah, Lewis. <laughs> all right, I'll, I'll get on it. Yeah, um, brother. Since we're on Pickle Rick 2, really quick, it's a great opportunity for me to cycle back to one of my favorite jokes of this film. was like, oh, rats. Poop. <laughs> oh, great. Now there's a rat riding on a piece of poop. <laughs> that was pretty good. That one got me. Yeah, that was pretty good. <laughs> Let's go back to Louis, or David. David, have you uh, have you given us a favorite joke of the film? Yeah, uh, the well, the oh, well, I didn't officially, but yeah, the Alan Arkin moment where he jumps over is is probably my favorite. 
I, I, I cracked up really hard when he's just like, I got a new pacemaker. I can go all day. <laughs> that was uh, a good one. What else yeah, you got? And I, what else you got? Uh, I also, uh, I, 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 it wasn't super like laugh out loud funny, and it was more like kind of cute. But when, uh, you know, uh, Max is playing the psychology game with the big assassin dude, and and Hathaway's like, "What are you doing?" He's like, "Big people hurt too," you know, like like I didn't crack up laughing, but I, I thought that was kind of cute and kind of funny, like where it's just like he's just gonna talk him down, like just you know, like in like in Naruto, he does this all the time with the villains. He just like. They, they call it like talk no jutsu where he just like talks the villains out of being villains. And, uh, and so he's using the whole psychology, like, you know, I understand it must be rough, you know, with your wife and it's tough, man. I'm sorry. You know, just bring it in, you know, like big people hurt too. And it, like, so I, I thought that was kind of cute, but I mean, no, I, th- I think the Alan Arkin one is the best. The part of that I like, you know, uh, from the tradecraft perspective is that, Max is using his his knowledge of everything, right? And and putting it into play. That's right. That was good tradecraft. He flipped him, like sort of. He like half flipped him. You know what I mean? Because he met his yeah, wife right at the er, er, earlier in the mission. He met his, that guy's wife, right? No, he just. I think he just knew about it because well, I thought it was, was like the baker when he was like he was talking to that woman. That I guess that's just somebody else. No, he because remember at the beginning of the movie he was listening into all the conversations and he knew what everybody liked. Oh, that's to drink. what it was. Wait, yeah, that was like one of the first jokes where he was giving his report and and uh, they thought it was code and he was like, no, they were just what was that? I forgot what they were saying, but it was like something super like mundane, like they were at the cafe talking about something. He was like, ah, oh, he happens to like blah blah blah. Very interesting. Like, what is that code? No, oh, right, like, right, 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 right. Yeah. He's going into no, but it's very interesting. Detail with his with his six hundred page report, and he's like, yeah. hey, no, <laughs> right. nobody nobody reads my reports. Nobody reads the reports. Yeah. No. <laughs> um, could that be our segue into starting to talk about some tradecraft? Well, first we I think we should talk about some of our crossovers because we like to do that in the show because oh, right. I gotta pat I gotta pat myself on the back for this one. We already well, mentioned whoa, 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 whoa. Let's call out the easy ones first and then you can then you can okay. run in and claim what your What the fuck are crossovers? This is yeah. actors actors that are in the movie we're talking about today that have also been in movies that we've previously talked about. So you're not talking about oh. killer crossovers like NBA moves. Oh no. okay. That's your guys' domain. Go ahead. Right. Uh, not not, not ankle-breaking crossovers. No. <laughs> uh, Alan Arkin is a repeat uh, appearance on this show. I forget why. Dave, help me out. Uh, he was in Argo. He was the film producer. That's right. A, always a delight to see Alan Arkin. <laughs> and uh, Bill Murray, of course, because we did this, The Man Who Knew Too Little. Right. And then you caught a, a crazy so- one. I caught like the best gem. Uh, I, I got to pat myself on the back for this. Uh, they, they should just hire me at like, you know, the CIA or something for my targeting on this one. Um, there's that scene where Max is in the bathroom when they first get to Russia. And there's like the two mafia dudes having like a conversation. The guy's like, you talk too much. You talk too much. Well, like, you know, Max is listening in and he stops peeing, which also was a really good gag. I totally, yeah, that was a good gag. He would stop peeing to like listen and they would notice. So he would start peeing again. Anyway, that scene, that was really funny. Uh, the the guy that talked too much um, is Mark Evenar, who played the real Valentin Miranoff in The Good Shepherd. And oh. I, I was so sure about this, I had to go oh, look weird. it up. Yeah, and, and, and funny enough, if you go on the IMDb for Get Smart, the character that his credit is for is Russian guy in bathroom. Right. So, yeah. Uh, I, I was really proud of myself for spotting that one. I was like, that's him. That's him. <laughs> so, hey, you guys uh, on board to head into the briefing room and start talking about some tradecraft with us? Do I, need some, do I need some more ID for that? Uh, you've been cleared. <laughs> you've, you've, we've, you've been vetted. We've checked all your uh, relationships, and, and we know that you're not a... Does, my, does, your, the voice, does your voice recognition system still work on me, like, as 100% even when I'm high? Yes, it does. <laughs> Retinal scan complete. 
Validating security clearance. Clearance granted. You may now enter the briefing room. So I'm going to start uh, the briefing room segment and the tradecraft segment with saying that uh, compared to the other comedies that we've done on this podcast, I feel like this one actually tries to be at least a little bit about spying. What do you think, Dave? Yeah, a little bit more than the show. Like the show was kind of making fun of the whole Bond uh, phenomenon. And this, I think they tried a little bit better to have some like moles or, you know, I mean, there was still a lot of gadgets, but I think they were trying to accomplish some spying, you know, rather than like, hey, you got to go get the thing and here's a cool toy that I did it with, you know. Right. I had, you know, I... I struggled a little with my uh, plus spy points and minus spy points on this one because I feel like it's a little unfair because the rule, the law of get smart humor will trip them up anytime they try anything. Yeah. So, you know, it's kind of hard to say because, you know, given that that, that law seems to be in place, like I, I tried to give them a little plus by points, at least when they tried to do something that would make sense if they weren't in a get smart movie. <laughs> that was, that yeah. was legitimately like the, like a law of physics was going to dictate that this is going right. to fucking get. Is, it, is this the part where I would, where I would up? mention negative tradecraft stuff that I saw? Let's yes. hear it. Like, like how, I don't think they really, if you think about it, there's no good explanation. Like they basically the rock, was the was the double agent right and he just so he at that one point he supposedly like like he max saw there was nuclear stuff there and then supposedly when everybody got there it was all gone they never explained like how would he have done like how has he have done that that he just like we're just supposed to believe that like he's still like he's hot right but but he's able to sweep the rest of the area like he was the only one that went there and checked like that that doesn't make any sense like i just i just have to ask this is so fucking far beneath both of you, but I don't even know what the fuck are you talking about when you say tradecraft? What's tradecraft? Go for it, Dave. Uh, so tradecraft is kind of like a general uh, term, uh, like uh, for like like used as like spycraft, like the 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 techniques that spies will use um, in various situations to either protect information or gain information. Yeah, you could you could definitely just substitute the term spycraft in there, but yeah. but when spies talk about spying, they use the terms tradecraft. That work for so you? So is that like gadgets they use, or well, it could be, it could be a lot. It could be a lot of things. Uh, at least in the context of this show, I thought the bathroom scene in the airplane was fucking retarded. They overdid that so much, like. For a comedy movie, even to use it in such a way that it's they they over they overdid that using that mechanism, they overdid that like so fucking much, like way out of proportion to what they should have, in my opinion. I think it's clear that like that joke started with the idea of we want to show something where like Max can't handle his gadgets like they're they're too much for him <laughs> and, and then they proceed from there to like build exactly that scene i mean i totally i totally agree it's not it's it's not the funniest part of the movie uh but dave right. wanted to uh flag it as his worst tradecraft because why this made my worst because they already like said it was a swiss army knife and it had all these cool gadgets and he's sitting there zip-tied um, he could have just used the saw on the Swiss Army knife, or like the knife on the Swiss Army knife. <laughs> just right. the knife. <laughs> yeah. right. Like, right. like uh, and also, presumably, he's like trained. There's like a trick you can look up on YouTube to break um, uh, zip ties, where you tighten them a little bit more, and then oh, you just that's... like pop them off your your chest or off your stomach. And and so that whole scene, and I agree with Lon that the joke was way overdone. They they could have maybe had him like shoot his cheek like maybe once and then like bounce off somewhere like twice or whatever. But yeah, just the fact that he has a Swiss Army knife and is trying to just use the crossbow to shoot off the zip ties 
when he could have just used the knife on yeah. the Swiss Army knife. <laughs> the knife <laughs> as it the knife as it was intended to be used. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> um there's was early, I thought like a, a, a positive um thing where um when when The Rock tells uh, like Max says, like, oh, you're back from an assassination. And he's like, uh, Max, assassinations are prohibited by executive order 12333. And weirdly enough, it turns out executive order 12333 was an actual executive order signed by President Ronald Reagan in 1981. It had a broader purpose other than just saying no assassinations, but it did reiterate uh, an existing policy against political assassinations. A tiny bit of realism. Todd. A tiny bit of Todd getting fucking fancy with his Ronald Reagan reference. (laughs) Oh, shit. You are the host of this show. A tiny drop of realism in a sea of silliness. (laughs) Todd. Nice. Impressive there, brother. And that is going to be part one of our Get Smart episode. Thanks again to Lon and Lewis for joining us on this one. Now, Lewis doesn't have any recent episodes out, but I encourage anyone that likes his style to check out older episodes of The Yammering Lou Show. David and I have been collaborators on that in the past. I'm personally always encouraging him to do more of those, and if you could help me out with that effort by tweeting him at at LouisLouis3, I would consider it a personal favor. Louis Louis is spelled L-E-W-I-E-L-O-U-I-E-3. And Lon Lovett, friend of mine since kindergarten, he's a really amazing photographer. And if you visit lonlovett.com, I'm sure you will not be disappointed. And join all four of us next week for the thrilling conclusion. As always, the best way to make sure you don't miss out on that is to hit the subscribe button on iTunes, Google, or your favorite podcast app. Also, if you can find updates on our Facebook page or website, spieslikeus.net, and please, if you can help us out, give us some feedback. We're always trying to improve the show, and your thoughts would be a big help. The preceding transmission sampled the songs Ice Cold by Audio Nautics, Enter the Party by Kevin McLeod, and sound effects from freesound.org. Attributions and links are found at spieslikeus.net. Editing by Todd Hostetler.